Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Camacho Cast. If you're one of the six or seven people listening, I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, I'm not going to let you down. I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. I'm never going to run around or hurt you. Okay, that's enough of that. What do I got for you this week? Well, a couple different things. Um, one thing I found surprisingly really, really interesting and fun was the movie Babylon. I had seen on YouTube and in the film critic space, uh, it getting kind of mixed reviews and uh, had to go see it for myself. If you get a chance to see it in the theater, I absolutely recommend that you do that. It is a legitimate cinematic experience. It is something that needs to be seen on a big screen um, in a environment where you are not supposed to touch your phone and just watch. Now, I will warn you, it is a three-hour movie, and I didn't think I was going to be able to sit through a whole three-hour movie, but the movie rides the line between spectacle and, um, I don't know, like real cinema in a way that it's it's entertaining enough to watch just from a visual standpoint. If you were watching it without any volume, you would still be enticed by what you're seeing on the screen. But also it has just enough of a through line in its story that you are invested and want to see what happens to these characters. Babylon is about four different people um, during the 1920s, early 1930s, essentially when Hollywood was transitioning from silent films into what they called talkies. And uh, it's great. It really is. It's just, it, it really borders on the hyper real. So there will be scenes that seem very grounded and it's taking place in what I would call reality, but then it will go places that stretch your suspension of disbelief. And I think that's a lot of fun. I can see why a lot of people don't like that because it's, it's, it's like when a song changes keys on you, um, if you're not expecting that to happen, it, it can be kind of frustrating um, and surprising. But personally, I, I really enjoyed it. I really recommend people go out and see it. Um, another movie like that, which I didn't talk about on the last episode that I thought was really, really great was everything everywhere all at once. Uh, that movie is another one that changes in tone so often that it can be a little disorienting, but if you're willing to hang on for the ride, it is really, really well worth it. Um, so yeah. Uh, Babylon was awesome. Uh, really glad that, uh, I took the time to go see that. Uh, the other thing that's been on my mind, uh, is, um, this piece of artificial intelligence called chat GPT. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, it's, uh, there's a company I believe called OpenAI that makes our, uh, artificial intelligence. 
And uh, one of their most popular programs right now is a talk bot called ChatGPT. And in the way that ChatGPT works, it's almost like uh, if Google was an AI, not just a search engine. So you can ask ChatGPT to give you directions to somewhere. You can ask it to write an article for you in the style of the New York Times. And it seems to be able to produce pretty good results. Um, it can produce better results the better you are at asking it questions and refining what's called your query. A lot of people are nervous about this because if they feel like it's going to take away their job, which I, I can understand, um, it's hard to realize that uh, a lot of things that we consider creative are really just algorithmic and that the most talented of us may just be uh, our brains just might have the right algorithms for certain things. And by that, I mean, let's take a very prolific writer. Somebody who can just churn out content like crazy. Uh, Stephen King is, is a good example of a guy who uh, is both a good writer and quite prolific. Um, he He really is seen as cream of the crop when it comes to doing what he does. And I would imagine within five to 10 years, chat GPT will be able to produce Stephen King works faster than Stephen King and about things that Stephen King couldn't write about. And so from that perspective, the, it kind of begs the question is, does this make Stephen King obsolete? I don't think so. I think if it is done with the best of intentions, it means that you now have a perfect writing assistant because you can let ChatGPT write this novel for you. You can go back and edit it in your style. And then what normally took you six months to do, you can now do in an afternoon, maybe. I don't know if the timeline on that's correct. Uh, I'm just trying to make the point that it will bring things, uh, consolidate the artistic process. Uh, so I think one thing I want to say uh, about it too, is, I mean, if you're already an established artist with a style, then that the situation I just described could, could speak to you. You can now just crank out content at a much higher rate. Um, if you're an unknown artist, I imagine it can be disheartening because there's no you that the algorithm can take yet, but maybe there'll be the ability to soon put your own stuff into the database and then it will tell you more about you. I mean, look at TikTok. Um, TikTok will tell you more about you than your best friend will. You give it eight hours of your time, it'll tell you exactly what you like. And I think that's really valuable information. As much as it is a real black mirror uh, that may bring things to your attention that you didn't know about yourself, didn't want to know about yourself, that's still who you are. And knowledge is power for you know, lack of a more eloquent uh, punchline to that point. But 
I'm excited to see what happens with AI. I think it will absolutely change everything. I think uh, an interesting way to tie these two things together is the world of Babylon. Uh, it's very similar to those who were not able to embrace the talkies were left behind. Uh, and this is our uh, just another another chapter, another transition point in this is will you fight AI or will you work with AI to continue to be an artist? I've said before on the podcast, I've been, I've been in the creative space myself. Um, never worried too much about my personal identity as a creative person. I still don't feel comfortable saying the word artist, but, um, and that could be why I am so okay with the position that I just explained, um, using automation to enhance you, uh, rather than be initially resistant because I feel like anytime that there are technological advancements like this, there seems to be kind of to quote Adam Smith, this invisible hand, that is guiding things. And once, once Pandora's box is opened, it cannot be closed again. And we need to accept that for what it is. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm just really interested to see what happens. And I, I've been wanting to play with uh, ChatGPT. I guess now that the cat's out of the bag and everyone's heard about it, uh, the server's busy. I, I've tried. I, I made a, an account with OpenAI so I could start playing with it. And um, no luck. It, it just keeps telling me you have to come back later when the servers are up again. So uh, a little bummed, but if I get a chance to play with it, I will definitely let you all know. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. I want to ask it to write jokes about specific topics and see how good those jokes are. Because to me, that would be, that is what I would imagine a Kevin Hart would do with it. Um, or a John Mulaney. And that's not to say that these guys can't write their own jokes. They, they, they have proven themselves as comedians time and time again. But they're also really busy doing a hundred of the things. So if they can, again, consolidate that workflow down to where they can just edit things that essentially have their voice in it, I would say that's all the benefit to them. If they don't have to spend a whole year putting together a special, they can just spend six days and keep it very relevant and topical, that might result in more content for us. Imagine if you could get a good Kevin Hart special every two months. Now, the only person who was naturally able to do that that I know of is George Carlin. I'm pretty sure George Carlin put out a special a year for almost 20 years. Maybe he put out two every couple of years. Um, truly the definition of a prolific artist. But even then, the artistry, I, I think people would argue that they all kind of became different versions of the same thing. As, as humans, I mean, we really are bounded by our experience. And so if you can let an AI take your voice and your-ness and go experience the entire internet and then come back, who's to say that the jokes that the AI are writing aren't jokes that you would have written had you been able to live as many lives as the AI did on your behalf?
that <laughs> I had to take a beat there just to, to think about that because um, going back to the other film, everything, everywhere, all at once uh, it, the theme of that movie is of course a, a multiverse and the choices you make affecting who you could be in all these different realities. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be really cool to essentially be given the knowledge that every multiversal you could attain through a vehicle like AI. And in that way, it doesn't become a separate entity that is here to replace you. If anything, it's now your ultimate personal assistant who jumps across the multiverse to find the you in every single situation and bring back something of value to the current you. I'm going to give everyone a moment or two to take a long drag off of Jay because I really feel like I'm uh, feel like I'm going far out, man. But I think AI is going to really break what we uh, what we think, what we think the world's going to be. I think what's kind of exciting, you know, in the last episode, I talked about how uh, rough. I think 2023 is going to be economically, financially, uh, socioeconomically, um, physically with climate change and everything else. What's really kind of, to me, the, the dark horse plot twist in all of this is that AI could come in and start solving problems that we couldn't solve in rates faster than we ever could. And we could bring about some weird techno utopia. Now, while everyone might be fed and sheltered and we could cure climate change and all that good stuff, we're going to be left without a real challenge. And that itself will present a challenge, right? It's like the trust fund kid, uh, yeah, I want to say like trust fund kid, like woes where like when you're already born at the top of the mountain, there's just, just nowhere to go. Our whole society might become a trust fund kid because of AI. And that, if that becomes the case, I'll be glad that I have a philosophy degree because I'll be a little bit of a leg up on dealing with these existential questions. So fully for me. The rest of you, yeah, you're going to have to figure that out. That's going to be stressful, and I feel bad for you. But don't worry. Maybe then I'll find my little spot here on the internet where I'll be able to extol philosophical witticisms to you and uh, help you deal with the fact that there is no more challenge in the world. Makes me think of the episode of Rick and Morty in the recent season where the Smith family has... Uh, what are called night people. Uh, Rick brings a machine into the house that essentially when you fall asleep, you can program the sleeping person, the sleeping version of you to go do tasks that you don't want to do. So uh, let's say instead of cleaning your house while you're awake, you can just set it for your night person to clean your house. So as soon as you fall asleep, you're asleep, but your body's going around and it's cleaning the house. It's doing all the chores. You wake up feeling refreshed and your house is clean. And in a way, you have no idea how or why that got done. Why was I talking about this? Oh, my God. 
Oh, just lost, just lost my point. Night people. What, what's, what's so interesting about the night people? Um, I feel like I was going to say, cause the night people would open up just like they open up time for the waking people to do what they want to do. AI is going to make everything so easy and so automated that, uh, it's going to really mess with the concept of like competition, because uh, now competition will be really arbitrary and, and for sport, because you got to imagine an AI system, it would have to just, it would eventually get to a point where it would just become very communist, I imagine. And in pure communism, not the human corrupted version that always tends to happen, but like a pure communist society where everyone is given what they need uh resource allocation is perfect and uh everyone becomes equal now i don't think humans are going to like that because we like to be able to categorize ourselves categorize ourselves um in a social hierarchy we kind of want to know who the big dog is and who i'm supposed to look up to and who am i supposed to not be like uh and i think that is one of the reasons why communism tends to not work because ultimately somebody has to be the big dog that everyone can look at. Um, call it, uh, oh, darn. It's the opposite of an Oedipus complex. Uh, whatever. If you know what it is or you want to look it up on Google and then drop it in the chat to feel smart, by all means do that but the the opposite of a of an oedipus complex uh we 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 need uh, a father figure of sorts in our lives we need some sort of um authority to tell us what is right and what is wrong because to really be in that void of ambiguity uh is nauseating but i think ai is one going to bring that to us, we will all be forced to deal with that because AI will solve all of the other stuff for us and we'll just be almost like brains in a vat just trying to figure out what we're going to do. And I think the the very optimistic of us are going to see people become these like artistic and creative people who just paint and socialize all day and I, I hope that ends up being the case, but I I, th I think of even in in the film Babylon, there's there's a scene where uh, all of our characters that we've uh, been hanging out with are now in a they're at a party with very very high society people, and uh, these are people that don't have anything to do. This is these are people that AI already exists for them. It was human slavery essentially or indentured servitude. Um, and they get to just lounge around all day and uh, just entertain themselves with each other. And they're all so bland and boring. And it drives the other characters who exist in a state of legitimate struggle and goals. Uh, it drives them all crazy because they know that they're dealing with uh, fake people. These are essentially animated mannequins who, because they have not been forced to struggle uh, do not really provide uh, anything of value or have anything unique or interesting to say. 
if there's any real fear from AI, I think it is this thing. I think it is that it will make us more bland and uninteresting because we will not need to develop character, perseverance. Um, we will not have to struggle other than the struggle of not knowing struggle, which sounds redundant, but uh, I, I insist that it is a real thing, and it is why celebrities can be depressed and why billionaires can be depressed and, and why no, nobody is free from that. Nobody is free from problems. Um, financial problems are just one subset of the many problems that exist. And if you overcome financial problems, you now are met with these more ambiguous and um, subversive demons who present to you a checkered flag showing that you've made it. And yet when you cross the line, a new flag appears that you did not yet see. And I think, yeah, I think if there's anything that AI we should be fearful of when it comes to AI, I think it is this. I think it is important to develop goals as arbitrary as they might be because your brain is biochemically blueprinted to enjoy this type of sacrifice reward system and AI will obliterate that. If you want to, it will remove all of your struggles. The more you, you tell it about your struggles, the faster it will be able to solve them for you. And then you will just exist in this milieu of, I want to say something to the effect of like anticipated bliss, but once you've achieved it, it's gone. So I thought the movie Babylon was really good. That's what this podcast is about. It's about good films and how AI <clears throat> is going to cause problems, but not the problems we think it's going to cause. I do not believe that AI is going to want to kill us all. Uh, I don't think we know enough about human consciousness to give AI a, a sort of consciousness that sees itself as in competition with humans. Um, that has never made sense to me. Now, I will say I'm not a... Uh, uh, I'm not like a software engineer. I don't really understand computers that well. Um, but I just know how dumb we are as a species and how we can't even understand our own irrational drives. And so anytime we assume that a computer will develop irrational drives, like the best way to keep humans safe is to kill them all. Uh, I just don't think it'll do that. It'll only do that if if somebody puts that into it. I don't think it will come up with that on its own. It can tell me about life, but it is not alive and it will not have feelings like being alive because 
to me, one of the core things of being alive is being irrational and not making sense and having a part of you that you don't understand. And a computer will understand itself. It will be able to literally look at its own code. So I think that will actually make it wholly unconscious and therefore able to be manipulated by us because we don't know our own source code. We don't know what makes us tick. We have good ideas of what makes us tick, um, but we don't know for sure. We clearly don't. We can't even decide on one religion. We can't. There's so many things that we can't do right, um, but we'll get close. We'll get close at making this thing seem real, and then we'll call it real, and we'll worry about these things like it going terminator on us and and the truth is is it won't do that it's gonna fix everything and then we're gonna be freaked out that there's nothing to fix because our brains want to fix the movie babylon was good it was a good movie and you should go see it i don't think it's going to be in theaters for very much longer because it's flopping right now because it is it goes back to what I said in the last podcast. People want things to mean something. And I think that Babylon does a good job of just showing you people's lives, um, hinting at meaning no different than your own real life. You can look at your own real life and see hints of meaning, but ultimately it is 80% spectacle and then 20% um, implied, uh, like implied wisdom. It's a great film. It's a lot of fun. Go watch it. Um, also go see Everything Everywhere All at Once if you've never seen that. I should have added that to my list of good movies that came out last year, but I forgot because I didn't sleep well. And um, it was the first of the year and I was just trying to crank out a video. Uh, but we're back. Told you I would do it. Here we are. This is episode eight, my first week into 2023. I have so far held on to my resolutions. I hope you have too. And I will check in with you very, very soon.